Well, it is the last week of the 2020 NFL season. And even though we have a huge matchup this weekend to look forward to in the Super Bowl, we also had a crazy week of the Super Bowl quarterback trade. We're here to talk about both of those today. Welcome to the Goal Line Fade Podcast. past few off-seasons, we've seen some blockbuster trades from Odell Beckham Jr. getting traded to Stephon Diggs to DeAndre Hopkins, but those were all months after the Super Bowl. So it's quite shocking this year for our, our first big trade to actually come even before the Super Bowl is done and before the off-seasons even really started. And um, honestly, what a trade that was between the LA Rams and the Detroit Lions. You know, Matthew Stafford going from the Lions to the Rams and Jared Goff and a couple picks going to the Lions. Honestly, Daniel, uh, um, I went back and forth on who I thought actually won this one. And I have, a, in my mind, a set um, pick as far as who won this trade. But what would you think about, uh, or what do you think about this trade in general? And who do you think won it? Yeah, I think when I initially saw the trade, um, it, it was pretty obvious to me that Detroit had won it, right? They, they got a QB who has shown... Um, some flashes during his career, though admittedly it's been a few years since we've seen anything really, really good from him. They picked up a bunch of picks, um, and they shipped off a guy who wanted to leave anyways. So, so realistically, it's not like um, it's not like this was oh we can keep a good QB or we. It was like Stafford wanted to go, they wanted him to go, and got um, what looks like honestly such a good ransom for a player who clearly wanted to move on. Right, that usually. Um, is a bad quality for teams trying to make that trade because teams know they can offer less. So you're kind of in a, in a bind, but um, they got a lot of really good value. But as I've looked at this more, I mean, yeah, the, the pick value is, is huge and the Rams gave up a lot, but I, uh, I, I don't know if this is, you know, a trade where I have a clear winner in mind. I think both QBs were put in a situation where, they might be able to excel. And Matt Stafford, I mean, obviously a guy, I think we said he was 32 years old last week, um, a guy whose entire career has been a pretty solid NFL quarterback. And now is a chance in a new offense with a guy who has been lauded over and over as an offensive mastermind um, to really round out these last few years of his career. I mean, in, in a perfect world, in my mind, Matt Stafford can win a Super Bowl sometime over the next five or six seasons. Um, and really cement what was a, a really solid career, quietly, but but a really solid career for a really bad franchise. And Jared Goff has a chance to to kind of revive um, some of the the things that we saw from, from him. It, it seems like his and McVay's relationship was broken, and um, that was a huge factor in, in him getting shipped off. So now in a new situation, I don't know if I don't think Goff can't maybe develop again and be something, or he might just be a bridge guy for Detroit. They pick up a bunch of picks and. Um, I mean, really lose not a lot in the process. So I think on, on surface level, like the Lions are the, the pretty clear winner here. Um, but I mean, both sides definitely got a lot out of it. Yeah, I would agree with you. And I think player for player, um, the Rams definitely won. Jared Goss is, is not their guy. Um, like you said, him and McVay have a, a relationship that wasn't going to stand long term. Um, and they got his money off the books. Good for them. Right. And I, I, they probably have some dead money hit there, but, um, anyways, I mean, if you look at Jared Goff over his tenure with the Rams, he had Todd Gurley in the backfield. He had what's been considered a pretty strong offensive line. He had Cooper cup. He had Robert Woods. He had, um, 
Reynolds there as well. He had Brandon Cooks for uh, a season or two, I believe. Um, like if you think about this, the Rams have put the necessary talents around Jared Goff to be successful. And he's, he has had some good seasons, but I find it hard to believe that he would go to a team like Detroit and have success there that he, he didn't have in LA with all those pieces around him. Having said that and, and flipping the coin here, I think Matthew Stafford has had none of that. Matthew Stafford also has never had a great defense. Um, Matthew Stafford has never had a great running game, never had a, a great offensive line. We know that the Lions have been trying to put that together for the last couple seasons through the draft. And so um, for him, going to a system where Sean McVay, or Sean McVay uh, thinks highly of him, where they have a strong offensive line, where they have those weapons that I was talking about in a, a strong running game by the looks of it, um, I think that Matthew Stafford does have a chance to succeed. Having said that, though, um, those draft picks that the Rams sent away have the potential to be um, – you know, quite profitable for the Lions. And who knows, right? The Lions could turn that into another player. Um, the Lions could turn that into multiple first-round draft picks that change their franchise around. I don't know what what um, Detroit's plans are or what they think they're going to be doing with that over the next couple seasons. But um, the Detroit Lions front office was not afraid to make this move. And so you got to applaud them to all new people in the building and they're, they're gutsy first thing. So have to give them a lot of credit for sure. Well, and now those new guys in the building have a lot of pick value over the next few seasons to really do something. They will, if five years from now, the squad isn't competitive, they will have no excuses because of the stuff that they've picked up to help them build. So um, this is going to be the first of many, right? We know this offseason was going to be huge. There were, there were rumors yesterday swirling around that Derek Carr um, was, a, was maybe going to be a hot commodity. Um, there was also reports that the Rams tried to trade for Aaron Rodgers before this Matt Stafford one. So who knows? Who knows who is going to get moved? Because I think the truth is there are very few players in the league um, who are untouchable. I think Mahomes might be the only one at this point because of his awesome contract that will look very cheap five years from now when the salary cap has gone up. So besides that, I think everybody has a price and who knows what kind of prices we might see getting paid this year. Right. And I think the, the one other thing to add before we, we move off this, uh, the quarterback trade potential in this offseason is that um, ultimately what it boils down to is that every team knows that the Chiefs are the team to beat, right? Like last offseason, we saw that some teams were building their defense to specifically stop the Chiefs. They wanted to get faster. There were some cases where teams were trying to get faster on the offensive side to put together a model similar to the Chiefs, right? So there's the copy method on offense and on the defensive side there's drafting the players that are, are required to ultimately stop the Chiefs offense. And so I think what we're going to see in the NFL is that reflection is going to come upon teams and franchises to say, do we have, you know, the person under center that is capable of beating the Chiefs? And if the answer is no, I think we're going to see a lot of names come on the market um, as a part of getting rid of that quarterback or as a part of trying to acquire, you know, another name there. So if you're the Raiders and Derek Carr is not a guy that you think can beat the, the Chiefs consistently or in the playoffs, sure, you can ship him off. And there's a lot of teams looking for a quarterback upgrade, too. So I think it is going to be a whirlwind. And it's it's all going to be interesting just because we're going to see what teams value of certain quarterbacks are. For example, you know, you can tell that the Lions thought rather highly of uh, Jared Goff, but the Rams definitely did not because they sent multiple draft picks along with a starting quarterback um, in that trade for Stafford. So anyways, the, uh, the please take his salary value. <laughs> well, exactly. And so 
Um, the one last thing I'll say on this topic is if you're wondering why the Rams have basically mortgaged their future to be successful now, I'd highly recommend following Bucky Brooks on Twitter because he's uh, he's been covering that quite a bit since the trade, actually, and talking about how, you know, you might hit on 50% of your first round picks, but um, if you go out and get players that are proven and you bring them into a system where you know they can succeed, you're, you're adding to your franchise right away. And there's a higher um, addition than if you were to add a, a draft pick who might not actually turn out. So that was actually really yeah. interesting to see this week as well. No, I think I think Matt Stafford makes this an immediate Super Bowl contender. I really do. Um, that this to me might actually make them the best team in that division, like with one trade, because you add a guy who is uh, just spectacular at the position. So uh, that'll obviously play out next year. And I, I don't don't know who their free agents are this off season, but um, they've proven that they're not scared to cut people loose to get rid of their salary. They've proven that they're willing to make moves, and um, now they just need to to pay off for them in a Super Bowl win. So. Speaking yeah, of the Super yeah. Bowl, that's also happening. Weirdly enough, with this crazy trade, we actually have a really important football game this week, too. Um, and it's, right, the team you were just talking about, the Kansas City Chiefs, this team that has uh, kind of become the gold standard in the NFL over the last two or three seasons against, um, you know, people are going to tell you it's Tom Brady. It is actually the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Weirdly enough, they do not just have one player. But uh, <laughs> it is, to to a certain extent, it is... Um, the new big thing, the guy who is the best quarterback in the NFL right now um, and the best to ever do it. It could be a changing of the guard. It could be uh, the old proving that it still has a chance to beat the new given the right circumstances. Uh, man, I I say this every week, but I'm so excited for this game. This was a matchup. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, the Bucks were seven and five. The Chiefs, I think, were 10 and one. They beat the Bucks. And as the game ended, Tony Romo said in his commentary, as Tony Romo always prophesies, um, that this very likely could be the Super Bowl matchup. And here we are, the Bucs getting to play in their own stadium at a chance for their first Super Bowl in 18 years. I think 2002 they won. Um, yes, sir. With, with Tom Brady going to win potentially in seventh. Um, lots and lots of storylines. Lots and lots of good players in this game. Some absolute legends. The best QB to ever play. The best tight end to ever play. Um, one of the best tight ends in the league right now. Wide receivers who are just off the charts. This might this game might have the most receiver talent between two teams ever. Um, it, yeah, it's just, it's incredible. Yeah, I would agree. And I think this needs to be headlined. And I mean, in the past, I've sort of shot down this, this headline going into games just because I don't necessarily believe in it all the time. But... I think this will be the greatest um, quarterback head-to-head in Super Bowl history. I mean, if you look over the list of quarterbacks that have faced each other, I mean, there are some pretty intriguing ones. But um, Brady and Mahomes at this point in their careers, where they are, what they've done, I think this is one of the greatest quarterback matchups of all time in the Super Bowl. And, um, I mean, we're here. Like you said, Daniel, there was, I mean, some suspense as to whether or not we would actually get here. There's no asterisks, no big... um, stops or halts in the season we finally got here and so um, I'm just so excited to see what this will look like I mean Tampa Bay is playing in their home stadium we've never seen that with any Super Bowl in the past Um, you know we've got the Kansas City Chiefs who have a COVID case or potential COVID case in their building by uh, courtesy of a a barber there so that's hilarious um, I'm still yeah I'm still processing all the headlines here honestly Daniel but Um, When it comes to actually breaking down this game, um, what do you think are the key factors that are going to lead to uh, the victorious team, you know, pulling off the win? And 
who ultimately do take in this game? I mean, the, the obvious answer is the quarterbacks, and that's true of every single game. But when you're dealing with um, two quarterbacks of this caliber, it's it's just um, put over the top. These are both guys who their team could give them next to nothing, and they would still be capable of winning the game. Um, and that's going to be big. Uh, this could be one of those games that comes down to whoever has the ball last wins. Um, that's just that kind of talent. But I think to go beyond that, and I kind of hinted at this in my intro, the truth is um, the the weapons between these two teams uh, are just incredible. Um, these defenses have their work cut out for them, not just with the QB, but the guys who they're going to have to cover. I mean, the Bucks have to deal with Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins, who, um, I mean, has proven a lot over the course of the game. Michael Hardman has also been a really good weapon. Um, and then Le'Veon Bell, I mean, is pretty much irrelevant, but you never know with, with him and Clyde Edwards Hilaire, that's a little bit of a, of a challenge potentially. And then for the chiefs, I mean, how do you stop the list of the, the Bucks weapons? Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski actually has had a few moments. Um, Antonio Brown, Scotty Miller has, has shown flashes. There's just, there's so many people to cover, not to mention Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones there for, for Tampa Bay at running back. Um, there are so many people who you have to be aware of on the field with these teams. Um, so I think that might end up being the big storyline because these defenses have some talent on them. I know like the, the Bucks have been a pretty strong defense. The Chiefs have some guys who can play. Um, so yeah, I, I'm going to be really interested in seeing which weapons end up excelling. Cause I think we know that both quarterbacks are going to have good games. Yeah, exactly. Um, it definitely is intriguing. And I think one thing that I said before, maybe it was the divisional round, was that I'm, I was really intrigued to see who was going to step up for their teams in the playoffs. And so we've seen, I mean, specifically from the Buccaneers, we've seen Scotty Miller score, you know, a pretty big touchdown right before the half in their NFC championship game to, to take a bigger lead over the Packers. We've seen Leonard Fournette step up and make quite a few actually really strong plays over the course of the postseason. And so um, when it comes to the Chiefs, I mean... You know, good old reliable Travis Kelsey has been outstanding. Um, you know, Tyreek Hill has also been outstanding. Patrick Mahomes been outstanding. But um, I, I think ultimately what this game boils down to, Daniel, like you said, I think it's going to be potentially a high-scoring game, whoever has the last possession potentially. Um, I think what it boils down to is which defense can actually like can either take the ball away the most or provide the most stops. For their offense. I think that's what it does come down to in this game. And so we can talk about the weapons all we want, but both defenses are very competent and they've proved that. I mean, look at how strong Josh Allen and the Bills looked going into the AFC championship game and the, the Chiefs um, didn't even break a sweat in that game, really. I mean, Aaron Rodgers had an MVP caliber season to be named MVP on Saturday night. And I mean, look what the uh, Buccaneers defense did to him. Right, three possessions in a row, Tom Brady threw an interception. And three possessions in a row, or sorry, maybe two possessions in a row out of those three, the Packers weren't able to get any points. They sacked Aaron Rodgers five times. And so, I mean, one thing that I do want to say after talking about the defenses is just that there's going to be a lot of interesting matchups to watch in this game. Um, Tom Brady against Ed Reed, or not Ed Reed. Um, sorry, come on, what's the, the Chiefs head coach name? Andy Reid. Andy Reid. Tom Brady against yeah, not Ed Reed. Tom Brady against Andy Reid. 
for the second time in a Super Bowl, right? Andy Reid was the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles in Super Bowl 39. Tom Brady beat them in that game. They were also um, a very strong football team at that time uh, as well, like the Eagles were uh, led by Reid. So there's there's something there. Um, you know, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes head-to-head is, you know, two and two. Um, I don't know. Just I, I've tried to look at past patterns, past, um, you know, matchups, past experience against each other. Um, I think the defensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs is, um, oh, I can't remember what his name is, but he was the defensive coordinator from the Giants, both Super Bowls that the Patriots played against them. So Steve Spagnolo. So there's just, there's a lot of history between these two teams. And I think that's what's really interesting about this matchup as well. Take all the, the new weapons, throw them in, take all the really strong defenders, throw them into this game. But I think, like ultimately there's a lot of history between these two teams. So as much as I'm going to to go off and say that it's going to be an offensive high scoring game, it actually wouldn't surprise me to see it be, you know, both teams have in the twenties for points, you know, it's just, these teams know each other really well. And I don't think that too many people are saying that to the degree that it needs to be said. I think one of the big storylines too here um, is, I mean, some, some big, injuries for the Chiefs. Well, one in particular, right? Uh, Mitchell Schwartz, their, oh goodness, right tackle? Yeah. Um, has already been on IR for, for a large chunk of the season. And th- it was possible he would come back for the Super Bowl, but the report just came out, I think today? No, a few, oh no, sorry, this is like a week ago already that um, it was looking like he would not be back. And on top of that, Eric Fisher tore his Achilles last week. Um, yeah. The Chiefs are down. They're two tackles who started the season. And and that's a bit of an issue against a pass rush in Tampa that's very capable of getting after the quarterback. Well, JPP and Shaq Barrett um, are pretty competent rushers. And so I think that's going to be a big storyline, too, is, um, you know, can the Chiefs do offense in a way that Mahomes doesn't have to hold on to the ball? And the answer is yes. Um, but they also like to be that deep strike offense, and you need time to pull that off. Right. And what did Aaron Rodgers not have? against that Tampa defense. It was time, you know, whenever he stood in the pocket, tried to hang on to the ball and find one of his weapons down the field. He, uh, he just didn't have that time allowed to him. And so I know that the weapons in Kansas city are far better than in green Bay. I know Travis Kelsey is an upgrade over um, Robert Tanyan and, and green Bay there. But um, overall, I, I think that you're right. It's going to come down to the the creativity of Andy Reid and Eric the enemy ultimately to get the ball out of um, Patrick Mahomes' hands really quick. You know, I mean, we've seen what this Tampa Bay defense can do when they get to the passer. And so Patrick Mahomes is great at extending the play, um, you know, running outside the pocket, making ridiculous throws. And so um, I'm just, I'm not convinced that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense um, will struggle getting to Patrick Mahomes. I think that they'll know how to keep him inside the pocket. And um, every once in a while, he might break out of the pocket, but I think ultimately that defensive line is is going to have a really strong game. Besides uh, besides those ends for Tampa, are there any players um, on either team's defense who you think uh, are, are guys to really be watching during this game, guys who are going to be potentially having standout performances? I don't know. Are you, yeah, like who are, because right, we, we tend to talk about offense because offense is exciting, but um, both these defenses actually have some really good players on them as well. Yeah, the the three names that I'm paying attention to from the Buccaneers and why I think that Patrick Mahomes won't be having a great day. And, and yes, I am just going to focus on the Buccaneers for this question. Um, I'm, I'm optimistic that Devin White is going to keep up his performance over the course of the playoffs. He's been outstanding, lights out, 
um, just playing phenomenal football. And I think most people have recognized his performance. It's been outstanding. I think he missed the wild card game, but ever since then, he's been just playing phenomenal for them. Um, Antoine Winfield Jr. has been another person in their secondary that I think uh, most people are thinking really highly of and are convinced that he will have a much stronger impact than he did when they played each other earlier in the season. Um, the third player that I'm talking about, though, you might have heard less of him in that Tampa defense, but I believe his name is Carlton Davis, one of their cornerbacks, who got beat a couple times by Tyree Kill. Because remember, that was the game where I believe Tyree Kill had like 200 and something yards receiving, if I'm not mistaken. And so ultimately, um, I think that Carlton Davis is going to have to have a great game. And he has stepped up a lot since um, the last time that these two teams played each other. So I think that he's going to be a really um, interesting player to watch because if he has a good day, I think that'll put players like Tyree Kill or Sammy Watkins um, in a little bit less of a successful position than they were the last time these two teams played. But um I, I know I rambled on about the Buccaneers, Daniel, but is there anyone else from either the Buccaneers or the Chiefs that you're thinking um, provides them a great edge on the de- defensive side of the ball? Yeah, I think you highlighted a lot of the good players Tampa has. And I think um, the Chiefs definitely aren't quite the same force on defense, but there are guys, I mean, who are definitely worth a look. Both of the the Chiefs safeties, they're all three of them, really. Um, I mean, I guess it depends where Tyron Matthew lines up everywhere, but even Daniel Sorensen and Juan Thornhill, like all of them are, are pretty capable of, of playing and playing well. Um, and that's going to be necessary because, I mean, a guy like Mike Evans can stretch the field hard. And if you're not ready to, to go up with him because he is what, like six, five, he's an absolutely massive dude. Um, you need to be ready to fight with him. And that's going to be on the safeties and double coverage. I think too, um, Frank Clark has had a pretty disappointing season. Um, the Chiefs gave up a lot for him. Was it was it last off season? Um, I think yeah. that was when it was. And where there's Super Bowl run last year. Yeah, like he only has had six sacks, but he's got to be a guy worth watching. Um, I think really the the Chiefs line as a whole has some guys who um, are, are capable of making a difference. Maybe not in the same way. I, I don't think that this defense has some of the the all star level talent that some of the Bucks have, but. Um, they have people very capable of, of making an impact. And I think too, Tom Brady has not been perfect this season. Like, like that's no one's arguing that 12 interceptions, some of them very ugly. Um, and they're going to need to, to force some of those turnovers. I think the secondary is going to have to put in a lot of work. Um, not necessarily like to guarantee them the win. I, I'll be honest. I think the chiefs have a pretty big advantage, but um, to really just gain momentum and hold on to it. I think the secondary has got to be making plays on Tom Brady. A couple of picks in this game could be over really before it ever starts if they're able to really close on the ball in a big way. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, that's kind of who I'm watching on their defense. I kind of said the two ends for, for Tampa are guys who I think are primed for really big days. Um, it, it's going to be on them if they aren't able to do it. They're both playing backup tackles, so... Uh, they've they've really got to get after Mahomes because that's really the only way to beat the Chiefs is to to mess him up. Yeah, and to take an early lead. Last time the the Chiefs or last time that these two teams played, the Chiefs got an early lead, and the Buccaneers had to claw back and ultimately just ran out of time. So I think that the Buccaneers know that the the way to succeed against this Chiefs team is to get a lead and get a lead early and hold it. So um, easier said than done, of course, but I completely agree with you. The last name I do want to mention, um, and I will give the Chiefs a little bit of airtime here. I think Chris Jones is 
um, almost underrated in last year's Super Bowl. He played uh, lights out and was definitely a key piece of the Chiefs defense having such a great day against the 49ers. And so um, I know that Chris Jones has provided, you know, some flack for Brady in the past. And he has been someone that's really hard to defend, especially like right up the gut. Um, and so as far as I'm concerned, he's another name to watch. Maybe not the outside rushers are, or sorry, maybe the outside rushers for the Chiefs aren't um, as dangerous as on the, the Buccaneers defense. But I think that Chris Jones up the middle has a lot of potential to wreak havoc for the Bucs too. So maybe Leonard Fournette isn't as much of a force or Ronald Jones. And who knows if that makes the Buccaneers one dimensional, maybe it isn't a shootout. And um, yeah, who knows what, what, uh, what effects that would have on the game. Yeah. That was one name I totally forgot. Chris Jones is a monster. I just, oops. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think, you know, if you want to talk about um, this team did play earlier, these teams played earlier this season. I think, you know, we can look for, for some trends from that. Tyreek Hill went absolutely off Uh, 13 catches, 269 yards, three touchdowns. Um, Travis Kelsey had a good game, eight for 82. Uh, The chiefs were unable to run the ball, which I, I think will likely repeat itself. Um, they're already not very good at it. And this Tampa defense is very good at stopping it. Well, on the Bucs side, I mean, Rob Gronkowski was the best receiver for the Bucs in that game. Six catches, 106 yards. Um, so yeah, th- those are some things worth looking at. Chris Godwin had a decent game and it was a 27-24 game. They, they slowed the Chiefs down. And it, what's crazy enough, um, if you actually compare the two teams, the, the Bucs actually finished with more points per game than the Chiefs this season. Um, which, I mean, it wasn't by very much, but still, it, it, you know, these are two very capable offenses. And we saw that in their matchup, even though it was only 27-24. Um, both of them are, are always primed and ready to, to make a drive down the field and score. And that's going to be, like we said, such a huge detail in this. Because when you're playing quarterbacks like this, it's not, can I stop them the entire game? It, that's, that's never going to happen. It's, can I slow them down enough to ensure that my team is able to build the lead, to hold the lead, to stop this other side from gaining a bunch of momentum? And can I stop the huge plays downfield? And of course, against the Chiefs, that's got to be the big. There's so much speed on that offense. All it takes is one little crack, and they're gone 80 yards for a score. Um, and it can just happen. Whereas the Bucks tend to have to be a little more methodical. Mike Evans isn't fast. He's just really big, which makes him a good deep threat. Um, Scotty Miller claimed that he could outrun Tyreek Hill last week. That That's let's not even try. That's not true. Um, so they just don't have the same type of speed to be that fast break offense. Um, and maybe that they have to play to their strengths, right? If the Bucks try to choose some more clock, but I don't really think they're an offense like that either. That'll be interesting to me um, is just to see how each of these OCs call the game. The Chiefs, keeping in mind their lack of tackles, their likely inability to even run the ball against this defense, and the Bucks realizing that um, if this becomes a shootout, they're going to probably be hard-pressed to keep up with the Chiefs in a you know, drive 80 yards or try to go 80 in a play. Like, they just can't do the same. So seeing how the OCs decide to call the game, um, or I guess in the Bucks' case, it'd be Bruce Arians, not their OC. But uh, that's going to be, I think, for me, the, the funnest mental side of this game. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, let's be honest. Um, what did the Buccaneers do really well against the Packers a lot or in the NFC Championship game when we're talking about explosive offenses? I mean, they scored right before the half and they got the ball in the second half and scored right away after that too. So, I mean, it went from being a 14 to six game, if I remember correctly, to a 28 to six game in a very quick period of time. And so I think that the Buccaneers have to be opportunistic with the the opportunities that they get to have the football too. So 
their offense may not be a source of quick scores, but I think they do have the opportunity to score strategically as something we've seen Brady do over the course of his career time and time again. But um, I do want to see Daniel, what your score prediction is. And based on everything that you've said, um, based on everything we've both said, I'm curious how closely our score predictions line up for uh, Super Bowl 55. So yeah, the, the unfortunate truth is that um, I'm having to pick against the team that I want to see win. And, and because they're not my actual team, I don't feel as bad doing that. When the Patriots are in a Super Bowl, I never pick against them just because I can't bring myself to do it. But as much as I will see the Bucs win, I, I do think they're outclassed. I mean, the Chiefs, the Chiefs have been a Super Bowl favorite since before the season, and at no point did that go away. Um, there were, you know, maybe moments where we thought some other teams could maybe be in the conversation for competing with them. But I think, honestly, as you look, when you look at the season as a whole, this has been um, the season of the Chiefs from day one. And so I have to go with the Chiefs. I think I have to look at that last game they played, that 27-24 result, and say, these offensive um, minds are way too good to only score the same amount of points that they did last time. So I think we're going to see a little bit of a higher score. I don't think by much. I think something like 30 to 24 Chiefs on, or like, no, let's go like a 31, yeah, 31, 24 Chiefs on uh, a Mahomes final drive to take it. And so I, uh, yeah, I, a week ago, if you would have asked me, I, I never would have said this, but I think I'm going to have to actually disagree with you, Daniel, and I think I'm going to take oh, yes, the Tampa Adam, Bay Buccaneers to win this game. I What's that? It. Yeah, and I was I was very much against this. I, uh, I used some extreme words when it came to Tom Brady and uh, how gifted he has been over the course of his career or how many opportunities he's been gifted with, if we put it that way. Um, but ultimately, I'm going to go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think that they've got uh, a stronger defense. I think their offense has the ability to compete. I think that Tom Brady knows who's he, who he's going against in Andy Reid. Um, and I think that this team is going to be prepared to shut down the Kansas City Chiefs. And so having said that, uh, the score prediction I've been giving people this week when asked is 35-31. However, um, I'm going to say that. And if that happens, that's great. But... Um, after thinking about it a little bit more, the, the prediction that I could see coming through is about 28 to 24. Um, mm. I'm not saying it's going to be a, a last possession win for either, or sorry, for the Buccaneers, but um, I do see a four to six point game um, in the Buccaneers' favor. And yeah, it, it's going to be an outstanding game. And again, I'm just, I'm so excited about this quarterback matchup, the history between these two teams and the people on both rosters and staff. And so as far as I'm concerned, this is going to be uh, an absolutely fantastic Super Bowl. So then with, with those scores, um, those scores stated, the matchup kind of set up um, one game to pick from, which gosh, made these hard for me this week, but Adam um, Super Bowl, what is it? 55. Wow. I should know this 56. Uh, who is 55? You're good. Player, who is the player of the week, which may or may not translate to MVP, but especially because MVPs always favor quarterbacks. But um, who is the player who you think absolutely plays out of their mind this weekend and helps their team get a, get a really, really huge win? I think I played my cards a little bit earlier when I said that Devin White has been phenomenal all through the playoffs. And I think that he's going to play 
um, at that high level that he needs to in order for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to win. And I think that um, he may not be the one deemed MVP after everything is said and done. But again, for the Buccaneers to win, it's not going to be their offense that has to play absolutely out of their minds. It's going to have to be their defense. And so I think that he's proven to be that player that when necessary, he steps up for their defense and other players follow, follow suit. So I'm leaning towards him. But um, Daniel, I'm not sure if for the first time all season, if we're both going to put defensive players as the player of the week. Yeah, and I'll admit, I, I ended up picking defense in part because I felt like everybody and their mom is going to be picking um, quarterbacks for, for being kind of the big headliners this week. But one player who, I mean, on a crazy career arc, uh, a lot of ups, lots of downs, but um, ultimately has landed in a really good spot and has been a really good player is Tyran Matthew. Um, little undersized safety slash slot corner, um, absolute ball, ball hawk, just um, f- ferocious even in tackling for his size. And, and in a game where, like I said, I think if, if the Chiefs really want to be able to put this game away um, for sure at any point prior to the clock hitting zero, it's going to be on interceptions. It's going to be on those big plays in the secondary. And Tyron Matthews a threat to score when he picks off a pass. So I think, um, again, as much as it hurts me, I, I think we've seen some, some bad decision-making from Tom Brady when he's been pressed this season. Um, I think Tyron Matthew is the perfect guy to capitalize on those little mistakes and, and make absolutely huge differences in a game like this. And, I mean, if you're picking the Chiefs to win and, again, flipping it to these defenses having to be absolutely lights out, I think most people would be putting Tyron Matthew in that conversation to be, um, you know, the, the strong defensive player for the Chiefs that you know, allows that to happen. Chris Jones, another name, like we said earlier, but um, anyways, I, uh, I completely agree with that and think that he has the chance to definitely be a game changer. So having, uh, having said that, um, when it comes to the struggle of the week, Daniel, this is obviously really hard in the Super Bowl. It's hard to identify um, who the struggle of the week is. I mean, it, it would be easy to pick a quarterback if we thought there was going to be a lot of interceptions or it'd be easy to pick, um, you know, a cornerback that we think is going to get beat down the field quite a bit. But by the looks of it, we both went with um, an offensive side of the ball that has been, you know, decently successful over the course of the year in your case and very successful over the course of the year in my case. So what's your reasoning for your struggle of the week? Yeah, I kind of hinted at this earlier, but um, just like in their previous matchup and, and just like a lot of teams have dealt with throughout this season, Tampa Bay's run defense is really, really good, bolstered by the strength of their defensive line um, and and the incredible all-stars they have in their linebacking core. And let's not kid ourselves, the Chiefs are not a good running team. Um, And they don't pretend to be, right? They're a team that realizes that, honestly, every time the ball's in Patrick Mahomes' hands, that increases your chance of winning the football game, um, pretty much no matter what. So I think this Chiefs running game is going to be maybe non-existent, right? I could see this being a game where their running backs combined for like 10 carries or less, aren't even really able to put up 30 yards. Um, Yeah, I think the Chiefs run game is not even going to be close to being a factor in this game. It's going to be all on Mahomes to, to go and get the win, and he is very capable of doing that. Yeah, I would agree. I think the Chiefs are one of the only teams in the NFL that, the term one dimensional is not relevant whatsoever. 
Um, having said that, though, someone else on the Chiefs offense that I think will struggle alongside their running game is, I mean, not a name that you might expect if you've watched the Chiefs or watched any buildup to the Super Bowl whatsoever. And I'm going with Travis Kelsey. And I mean, Chiefs fans might stop listening at this point and disregard all of my my thoughts for a long period of time. But I think that um, Tyree Kill will be a point of struggle for the Buccaneers. I don't think that he'll necessarily be eliminated from the game. But I think one player that the Buccaneers defense will really focus on is Travis Kelsey. Um, from a, a conversion perspective on third down, from a red zone perspective, I just see the Tampa Bay Buccaneers recognizing that if they can shut down Travis Kelsey, they force Patrick Mahomes to go to other players like Tyreek Hill. And if you're doubling Tyreek Hill or if you have those opportunities um, to cover him deep down the field and, and get to Patrick Mahomes fast enough that he can't throw deep down the field, covering a guy like Travis Kelsey is going to uh, help a lot and, and get them off the field far more often. So I might be completely ridiculous in my prediction here, but I think that Travis Kelsey uh, may have a decent stat line, but I just think he won't have the impact that we would expect out of one of the best tight ends in the league, if not the best tight end in the league. Yeah, and I think um, ultimately as a coach, you have to make the decisions on who it is uh, on the other team that, that you want to to shut down, to hold back in some way. So I think Kelsey is a very good choice. He had... Um, just an amazing season. So, so to be able to hold him back. Um, and I mean, like Devin White, for all he can do, I think is quite good in coverage. You can correct me if I'm wrong. If not him, Levante David definitely is. So Kelsey, I mean, has his work cut out for him against these linebackers. Yeah, exactly. So whether they use a, a linebacker, whether they use a safety, which I don't know if it's the wisest choice, but ultimately I think that, um, yeah, they will you know, prevent Travis Kelsey from being a big influence again in those sections of the game where he is an influence, third down conversions, um, the red zone areas like that. So um, if you're relying on Tyreek Hill to be burning your your defense down the field and your pass rush is getting to Mahomes in a timeline in which he doesn't have um, time to throw the ball deep down the field, I think that's actually one way how the Buccaneers could prevent um, some of the risk they have by you know, leaving Tyreek Hill by himself or by playing his own defense with him loose back there. So anyways, it'll be really intriguing to see what they do from a defensive perspective to, to stop all those weapons. So then any last thoughts, Adam? I mean, this is um, the last episode of the goal line fade for the regular season um, in a game that I did not think I would care about considering how bad the Patriots were. But I mean, I'm actually probably going to be cheering pretty loud on Sunday. So any last comments from you on, on the final game of, uh, of hopefully the only COVID-affected season we ever have to see? Yeah, you know what? My last thought will be, if the Chiefs win this game, that does not mean that Patrick Mahomes is a better quarterback than Tom Brady. I feel like that needs to be said because some people will have that mental, um, you know, or that thought go through their mind. They will have that. Uh, mental cycle I was going to say where they think that Patrick Mahomes is now better than Tom Brady since he beat him in a Super Bowl if that happens I'm just saying that let's all take a minute to recognize Tom Brady's 43 years old and his 10th Super Bowl you know there's a difference between these two guys so I think my my last thought is just before you overreact on Monday in the event that that happens don't (laughs) but uh, nothing else other than that Daniel yeah absolutely and it's I mean this is yeah, this is not a legacy game for Tom Brady. I don't like. It, uh, sorry, it's not. If it's if he loses, I don't think it's a legacy tarnishing game. And if he wins, all it does is solidify a case that, uh, let's just be honest, was settled 
um, quite a few seasons ago. So um, it's hopefully going to be a good one, though. I remember saying that before some Super Bowls that definitely were not good games. But um, I mean, I just anytime I can watch Patrick Mahomes play, it feels like a privilege. He's definitely one of those guys. It reminds me of like watching young Le'Veon Bell with the Steelers. And it's like, man, like he just plays on a different level than every other player at his position. That's that's Mahomes now and to an even greater extent than Le'Veon Bell ever was. So um, and it, yeah, I mean, I'm just no, go for it. Just to add to that, one thing I was going to say is that with, you know, Peyton Manning in the past, he was robotic. He was all, almost always just incredibly successful, always had good seasons, always played fantastic in the regular season. But in the playoffs, we saw that drop off. And Patrick Mahomes has not had that drop off ever that we've seen, you know, and I'm, I'm comparing him to Peyton Manning because Peyton Manning's always been one of the most flashy quarterbacks or Aaron Rodgers, similar thing, flashy quarterbacks, but Patrick Mahomes has proven, you know, that he doesn't necessarily have a weakness. Every time you watch him play, he's going to be within five points of the other team. And I think, um, you know, we, we have to appreciate the fact that with each season that comes and goes, we're watching one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And so I think that that appreciation still needs to be there. Like Patrick Mahomes is not an ordinary quarterback. This guy's special, like you said. And so I think everyone's going to focus on him and Tom Brady, but there's a lot of other special players too, but just Patrick Mahomes is uniquely special. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that is uh, the praise that this player deserves. So, um, I mean, Hey, by this time next week, the dust will have settled. We'll have crowned another Super Bowl champion. Uh, maybe two in a row for Mahomes, maybe Tom Brady's seventh. Um, yeah, it's, oh, the, the season made it. And again, I, I feel like I've made these remarks so much, but I was so scared we would not get a season. And um, now instead of having to be sad that we couldn't finish a season, I have to be sad about like, what, eight months without football after this? So uh, it's uh, it's bittersweet, but it's good. So as we prepare for the game and and prepare to, to continue to have content heading out into the off season. Um, yeah, we're excited to to break down all the teams, all their needs, the upcoming draft, uh, lots of good quarterbacks and that. And um, yeah, as we move forward, we will see you all again next week.